Welcome to Dumb Love. I'm Sally Brooks. And I'm Jen O'Neill Smith, and this is a podcast about all of the dumb things that people will do for love. So welcome to episode 32. 33, dude. Well, that's what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you well, hear me hesitate? 33. <laughs> I had to say it before I said it. I was like, right up. I'm not sure what episode this is. <laughs> you're in the right place. This is episode 33. Yeah, where you're like, this is a repeat from last week. Oh, man. You guys, I know a lot of you guys follow us on Instagram, which is great. Thank you for following. Thanks for playing along with uh, some of our questionnaires that we do. Yeah. But I have to say, this week, you guys got us in a little bit of trouble. We asked, who are your favorite Instagrammers? Because I was legitimately curious, who are people that are fun to follow on Instagram? Yeah. Yeah. And I wrote one response myself, and I wrote uh, Bros Being Basic, which is um, actually by a friend of mine. Her name is Ashley Heseltine. I'm sure you guys all have heard of their podcast, Girls Got Eat. It's amazing. It's like, I think it's the top podcast out is there it? right now. Yeah. That's but awesome. She runs that, that Instagram, and it's really, really funny. But... Two of you guys said Gary Janetti, who I actually follow him too. I think he's hilarious. I have his book. It's really funny. Mm-hmm. It's called Do You Mind If I Cancel? Yeah. I didn't know who he was. I was just like, okay, this is somebody our users recommended. So I screenshotted his Instagram account and then I put the answer on it yeah. um, that said Gary Janetti. And then we tagged him and we put it up like, hey, here's a, an account you can follow. And then... He was not with it. Not pleased, he you was guys. Like, Why don't you follow me then? Or I think he said, "Well, that's weird because you don't even follow me." And then I immediately responded with like, "Hey, sorry, like I actually do on my, you know, personal account. We were just sharing a a post, and you know, I, I have your book. I think it's great." And his response was, "I know, thanks." Yeah. Yikes. And then said, he, posted, oh, yeah. he posted on his story a screenshot of us like, oh, but they don't follow me. Yeah. So he publicly shaded us to 880,000 people. But I have to say, while some people did message us like, why don't you follow your if people you you follow famous my guy. And we explained to them what happened. But um, we did get some followers out of it. <laughs> So, so, I mean, sorry, Gary Janetti. That's why they say don't meet your idols, you know? Yeah. Like, I, his Instagram account is hilarious. He's so funny. Such an amazing writer. Maybe we just caught him on a bad day. But he just, he's not a fan of ours. He's not a fan of ours. He does and it not dumb turns out us. on some days he can be a bit of a twat. <laughs> yeah. That was my words. <laughs> Sally Brooks. Come, come at me, Gary Janetti. <laughs> Actually, Sally and I decided this year that we love, we're bringing back twat. Yep. It's a fun word to say. It's so fun. So fun to call people twats. Yep. We're we're reclaiming twat. Let's bring take it taking back twat. We're taking <laughs> hashtag taking back twat. <laughs> Should we do oh, some quickies? Yeah, let's get into some quickies. Okay. Sally. Jen, you ready for my quick eh? You know I am. Okay. So you do not have to answer this question because I do realize that this is kind of a personal question. I don't even know if I want to answer it. Okay. But no, I'm not going to ask you. I'm not going to ask you, do you currently use birth control? You've used birth control in the past. Have you ever been on the pill? 
I have, but you know what? I'm allergic to it. Okay. Yeah. This is good to know. This bleeds into this quickie. Okay. I, so how are you allergic to it? I, you can actually see on my face I have dark marks from... Freckles. Uh, not freckles. They're like... It looks like I got suntan in just some places. Uh-huh. I, guess, I can't remember what it's called, but... I got it during pregnancy and it's never gone away. It's like birthmarks on my oh, head. Wow. But that's what I got when I took birth control. It was like my skin got darker like under my eyes and on my nose. Wow. Yeah. Okay. It just made me like cuckoo. Yeah. Just crazy. I yeah. did. I hated it. And then I got the Paragard because I was like, oh, it doesn't have hormones in it. Was that the but, T one? Yeah, yeah. Like the IUD. And it was so painful, so uncomfortable. I My stomach bloated up so big. It was like, I guess I'm like allergic to copper because it's copper. Oh my God. But even when I went to my doctor, who was a male doctor, which I shouldn't have been going Mm-mm. to a male doctor, but he it's close by and it was easy. Right, right, But right. he was such a prick to me about taking it out. He was like, you can't feel it. And I was like... <gasps> I can, and I'm telling you that I can. And he was like, if I take this out, like, what, what are you guys going to do for birth? Like, I was like, that's not even fucking business. Right? It's like, my husband could get a vasectomy. Yeah. And then he was just like, well, you know, that's a really important procedure. Like, totally being a dude. And then did you Total dude. quit going to him? Yes. I had a horrible like, experience seven like times that later. with a... With <laughs> <laughs> I had a horrible experience with a, with a gynecologist like that, too. Yeah. It was And it's just like... You should be listening to what I'm telling you I feel. Yeah. You don't tell me what I feel. Right. So, and this has happened to so many of my girlfriends. I know plenty of people that have gotten an IUD and then it didn't agree with them. And yes. the doctor so told like, them they were crazy and then they took it out and they were fine. Right. So much better. So anyway, we could all rejoice uh-huh. because <laughs> yesterday they announced, um, and this is coming by way of WQAD TV, in Kansas City, researchers at the University of Kansas are conducting a clinical trial right now for a form of male birth control and they're looking for couples to test it out and they'll pay each couple four thousand dollars to test it out and like i'll test it out because right. what it, <laughs> it, the birth control comes in the form of a gel that's applied to a man's shoulder are you, you just have to put it on your me? fucking shoulder and if you can't do that then we can't be married zach <laughs> My voice, I'm so upset. <laughs> Zach is out of town right now, but when he comes home, he's gonna find out. He's gonna be putting some gel on his shoulder. Yeah. So it's a, a gel that is applied to the man's shoulder or arm daily, and it's a mix of testosterone and progesterone. So it is hormonal. These doctors say that it's 100% effective, 100% re- reversible, and it has a hundred, uh, 100% free of side effects. Is what they're saying. Okay. We'll I'm, see. Uh, but oh. what it does... <laughs> suspicious of 100%. The hormones make it so that the sperm count goes to zero. Oh, okay. And here's the thing. This is so funny because... Okay, I you know I love um, Real Housewives and you don't. And it's a huge point of contention for both of us. <laughs> but... I was just watching Real Housewives of New Jersey and Uh Melissa and Joe Gorga are trying to have a baby. And when they went to the doctor, they came back that his sperm count was only at three. When you should have like 50 million or something like that. He had three. And the doctor asked him, she said, are you taking any kind of like 
hormones for exercise or working out or for muscle building or whatever and he's like yeah there's this thing I rub it on my arm so I guess maybe that's how they found out about it or maybe it's just a coincidence it's crazy but could you imagine that if this was just like a thing that we had to just rub on our arm every day seriously we've been swallowing pills for fucking 50 years (laughs) I was sick of it I'm putting like copper up in us no no more you guys ladies Talk to your dudes. Times are changing. There is now just a fucking gel they have to rub on their oh, arm. Of course, it's just. Of course, it's like thing. for men. Of course, they didn't develop this for women. No kidding. Ugh. I know, but I mean, hey, I'm still pretty stoked on it. Pretty stoked. Yeah. There well, we that's go. that's great news. Yes. Okay, Jen. Okay, Sally. Hey, you know how we're like real young and like hip and like we understand things like Snapchat. I have never snapped nor chatted. Well, I mean, but you're still super cool. <laughs> I think I know what a TikTok is. <laughs> Do you? They're like the little mints my grandma would eat. <laughs> I like the orange ones. They're great. Yeah, the Snapchat is like, that's a thing that you like put on your on your wrist. Like somebody oh, yeah. snaps on your wrist. <laughs> and then you just talk to each other. And then you just chat. Uh-huh. Uh, okay, so I think this quickie today is like, Right in our wheelhouse. Okay. Okay, so back in 2016, a University of Wisconsin student who was calling herself Mystery Girl got onto the University of Wisconsin Snapchat story. And since we both know what Snapchat stories are, I'm going to let everybody else know what it is. I looked it up, and it is – Snapchat has, like, a feature where you can make a snap, which is what I guess they call them, visible to just a certain group. Yeah, so in this case, the University of Wisconsin, I think most colleges have their own story and people can like send posts to the story and then everybody at the college can see it. So oh. people follow like the university Snapchat. So, okay. So that's what a, a Snap story is. So Mystery Girl was studying at the library and she got onto the UW Snapchat and she noticed a snap from a cute guy in a Vikings jersey. And he had on these like... I thought old- you were going to say hat. I was like, yes. <laughs> in a Viking hat. <laughs> holding a beer. He was from the past. <laughs> he was marauding like you do. Yeah. Um, he had on these like old-fashioned glasses and he had captioned it, Grandpa Glasses. Uh, and so Mystery Girl was like, fuck yeah, man. I love me people glasses. And she decides she's going to post a message to this cute guy on the UW Snap story, and she calls him Vikings fan, and she said, hey, to the guy in the Vikings uh, jersey, I'm seriously in love with you. Come find me. Oh, my God. So but he, did she sign it Mystery Girl? Yes. Oh, so wow. Mystery Girl. Okay, so it didn't have her, story, her name on it, but so he didn't see the story until a friend texted him and then was like, dude, some girl's calling you out on Snapchat. And he says, he was like, I was thinking some girl was throwing hate at the Vikings or something, and I went on there ready to fire back. (gasps) But he gets on there, and he's like, ooh, this cute girl wants to meet me. So he says, all right. He suggests a time and place, but she missed the snap. So then she gets on Snapchat, and she is like, maybe I'll see you out tonight, right? Like, just out. Just kind of how, like, you know, you used to be like, I'm going to be out. Why don't you just see me out? Just find me. Yeah, just find me. So he gets on and is like, I'm working on a class project, but maybe tell me where. So then all these kids. Is this all public? It's all public. Oh, my God. Now all of these kids are, like, getting on and they're, like, 
rooting them on. You have to go find her, dude. And then others are like, hey, I'm lonely too. Come find me. (laughs) And so they start, they actually start a hashtag for them. And um, the whole thing is like going viral. So this is all over a couple hours. So she snaps later. She's like, now she's all like dolled up. And she's like, hey, I'm at the KK. Come to the KK, which I guess is like the campus bar. I was waiting for you to add another K. And this is a different (laughs) story. And this is where it takes a <laughs> So he gets on and is like, I'm still working on my project, but I'm coming. And then he got to the bar and she had already left because it was 1 a.m. Took so long. I know. Rude. So they're both recording now. They're every moves and the whole campus is invested. Everybody's getting on like, oh my God, you have to meet up. Meet up. Where are they going to find each other? I can't deal if they don't. And then... He's like, I'm here. Where are you? And then she's snapping like, I I just left. I'm outside the bar, but it's closed. And then she sneaks in the bar and then they see each other and they run and they hug and everybody Snapchats it. And it's like a movie. It's like a movie. So they actually, their names are Abby and Reed. And so after that, Reed got her number and walked her home. And then they said they spent every day-ish together but they explicitly told the New York Post that they were definitely not dating. So they got into like, they were like super into this like newfound notoriety. Yeah, it went, yeah. It went viral. It was like, there were a million articles about it. You know, there was like a video. And so they went to this block party in Madison and Abby says, I told Reed to wear the Vikings jersey just for shits and giggles because I didn't think people would recognize us unless he wore it. <laughs> but that was probably a bad move because we got there and within 45 seconds, we were completely mobbed and we had to leave. Like, okay. Oh, my God. So the whole thing had a lot of people asking, like, if it was staged. And they both swore that it was not fake. They were like, this is 100% legit. Some people said that we just, we were models paid by Snapchat. And I'm like, okay. Oh, do they look like models? I mean, they're cute, but they're just kids, you know? okay. And he said, that's just absurd. Abby was like, we just became friends on Facebook yesterday. We can prove that this (laughs) is true. But guess who got involved in this story? Steve Harvey. Steve fucking Steve Harvey. Harvey. Yes. Steve. I'm sorry, I yelled into the. I'm sorry. Steve. I'm sorry. Steve fucking Harvey. Of course he, he did. Yes, he brought them on a show. Dude, Steve's behind all of this. I know. He sent them on their first real date, courtesy of the show, and to it just, Disney World was. I somewhere. don't know, but it leaves me to ask, where you at, Steve Harvey? Yeah. We are over here. We want to go places. We have so many places we want to go. We need to. Okay, let's get on Snapchat. Let's figure this shit out. <laughs> We'll concoct some kind of scheme. Yeah. And then you guys send it to Steve Harvey. Steve will notice. Steve will get involved. Steve, we need you. Yeah. So anyway, so there's no update. That happened in 2016. There's no update on whether they actually became a couple. But I'm going to have to guess, like, as soon as the Snapchat faded, they probably split. So. Wow. I know. That's That's very exciting. Exciting. Quickie. Hey, Sally. (laughs) Yes, Jen? Have you ever seen Scorned Love Kills? No. I'm pretty sure I've used it before for a dumb love story, but um, I had to go back for more. (laughs) What did I say? (laughs) 
but this so this story is real crazy so this is i got all the information from the scorn love kills but there's also a sort of scale podcast episode about it okay and there's a snapped episode about it the story i got it because Voss sanchez fellow comedian he listens to the podcast yeah also. hello Doss. he hey Voss. he sent it to me and he was like dude this is the craziest story ever all right and so and it really is it really is this is the story of sheila davalu have you heard it? No. So in spring of 2001, in Pleasantville, New York, Paul Davalu was a hardworking research assistant, and he was working while going to school for a more advanced career. So he was a very hardworking science, scientist. Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> I like how, how specific you are about that. <laughs> very hardworking scientist. He was real in science. <laughs> super sciencey. Um, everyone said that he was like a really nice guy and super likable. And he met Sheila at grad school, and they hit it off immediately because they were both science guys. Uh-huh. Very, super into science. But she was also like a really nice, attractive woman. She was really intelligent. She grew up in Iran, um, spoke several languages. She spoke uh, Farsi and Italian and English. She was super educated. Okay. And so everybody thought that they were the perfect couple because... Jen, I'm starting to worry that maybe, like you said, they're both very nice, but now I'm starting to worry that maybe one of them is not as nice. I mean, I can't give it away. Okay. I'm just just saying that my intuition... is telling me. I don't know which one. You might be right. Okay. So Paul, being that he was studying for an advanced degree, he would have to study like super late into the night Mm -hmm. to get his doctorate. And Sheila was starting to feel ignored. They got married. And within a year of being married, the honeymoon period was already over. Just because they kind of just like, he went this way, she went this way. He was always studying and she was really bored Uh and she felt ignored. So she would like go out with her coworkers and get drinks and socialize and stuff Mm because she like craved more excitement, you know? Yeah. And he was just a little nerd guy. Yeah. He was just working hard. I mean, I remember when Ben was getting his... Like when he was working on his doctorate, it's a lot of work. Yeah, and it it's really like is. never ending. You should probably get married after. Yeah, see, that's what right? we did. I finished law school, we got married, and then I was skating on Easy Street. I was the Sheila. Ben was the whatever Ooh. the other guy's name is. Paul. That guy. <laughs> she eventually started hanging out with a coworker named, he was 34 year old co-worker Nelson Sessler and he was the guy in the office that every lady had a crush on okay uh, I have to tell you like when I watched the documentary and he's played by a very handsome man and everybody talked about how hot he was he was so hot uh-huh. he was the playboy in the <laughs> office and I googled him and not right. Not so hot. All right. So he was, according to this show, he was very handsome, accomplished, successful, and everybody was, all the ladies were obsessed with him. Okay. So Sheila and him started to get very friendly, mm-hmm. and they would go to happy hours and stuff after work. They had a flirtation. I mean, after work, happy hours are the devil. We just don't have them here in Georgia. So I never, it, no? happy hours are illegal here. In oh, Atlanta. really? Yeah. You can't happy hours. You, and if they do have a happy hour special, they have to call it something else. 
I had no idea. Maybe it's changed, but that's how it used to be. Yeah. I, I, well, I mean, I don't, I rarely go out. So okay. I don't know. We're in the Bible belt, Sally. Yeah. <laughs> you know, happy hours. But yeah. it's, I, like, one of my favorite things is when I used to travel to do comedy and, like, I would go to, like, a Friday show and you'd show up and there would be people who were obviously coworkers and had stayed too long in a happy hour. And now they're, oh, like, yeah. telling each other all their secrets and you just want to be like, don't, don't, don't. Don't do it. Don't do it. You have to work with those people on Monday. Don't do it. I'm so, I'm actually very glad that I was never able to do a happy hour. But I've always wanted to do, ladies, if if there are ladies out there, you all want to get together and do this with me. I've always wanted to have a night where we all put on like power business suits and like Reebok sneakers. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And we have briefcases and we go bar hopping to every hotel bar. Like a massive woman. I would love that. Let's do that. Um, Back to what's your butt? Yeah. So they had a flirtation, but she never, ever told him that she was married. Oh, was she not wearing a wedding ring? And then, I guess not. Shayla. I'm not wearing mine. Am I? I don't wear mine not very Um, often either. Yeah. For too long, they started hooking up. Uh So, of course, they started hooking up. And she loved the excitement of not only having an affair, but their office frowned upon co-worker fraternization. Uh-huh. So they had to be like super secret. So it was like right. super secretive, illicit affair. And she was just like living for it. Yeah. Um, so, Sheila. So, and Paul had obviously had no idea what was going on because he was so busy. He but was like, like had his nose in his books. And yeah. And you would wonder why didn't she just leave him? But apparently she had already, according to this show, she had already been divorced once before and she didn't want the stigma of being divorced twice yeah so she didn't go that route you know what else has a stigma cheating on your husband being a fucking adulterer (laughs) (laughs) that has a stigma i just yeah i i know that that is like a real thing is that people feel like, oh, if I get I divorced, I'm like, divorced. well, yeah. I'm just like, I'm letting people down and now I'm I'm a failure. And I just, if that's, if you feel like that, it's not, I mean, it's completely legit way to feel, but it also is like, don't like, don't hold yourself back. Yeah. Like, don't stay in a marriage that's not right for you because you're worried what other people are going to think. Because also people don't care. Also people don't care about they you. really don't. In the best possible way. So she wants to spend like as much time as she can with Nelson because she's just infatuated with right. him. So she makes up this crazy story that she has a schizophrenic brother that he didn't know about. She said that this brother didn't know that she was married and that if he knew that she was married, he would freak out. And so she didn't... Um, so she said that the brother was coming to town and that they would have to hide the fact they were married and living together. So she asked Paul to move out what of the condo that they shared and stay there until the brother leaves. And he says, okay, and he does it. So he takes all of his stuff and she tells him to leave nothing behind because there can't be a trace of you living here or he'll just go bananas. What a crazy story. Just get a hotel room. I know. Can you imagine like what our husband's reaction would be if we were like, you have to move out. (laughs) (laughs) No, you don't get it. I have this brother I never told you about and he's crazy also you have to take the kids <laughs> yeah oh my god so within hours of paul moving out of the condo so paul's like all right i'll do it i gotta go to the I, library whatever. anyway i'll just i'll just stay at i'll stay at the library i guess and so 
within hours of Paul moving out of the condo, Nelson comes over and they start boning, of course. So it totally worked. Her plan worked. So she would do this over and over and over, over, over the course of three months. She just kept doing like her brother just kept coming to town i guess and so he was like i guess i'll get my stuff again and go out yeah and so she's living it up she's got everything that she wants yeah and but this guy nelson still has no idea that she's married no idea so she thinks she has everything that she wants until that november Uh nelson breaks up with her he tells her that the romance has kind of run its course, and he tells her that he's actually been with several different women, like that she's not the only one. Yeah. And then he said that there's particularly one woman, her name was Annalisa Raimondo, and he kind of had stronger feelings towards this woman and wanted to be in a monogamous relationship with her. Was she also someone they worked with? Yes. Oh, no. And so they, she was, like, everyone said she was smart, she went to Harvard, she was beautiful, they said even more beautiful they said more beautiful than Sheila <laughs> yikes so um beautiful and that she played the piano and like she was just this like lovely woman and so on the inside Sheila when he tells her that she's like freaking out but on the outside she remains like cool as a cucumber and is like that's cool yeah right. that's fine I'm married you. yeah well she does she still doesn't tell him that she's married okay um, but she's like oh I'm happy for you mm-hmm. fantastic <laughs> so over the next few weeks, she's acting like nothing's wrong, but she's secretly obsessing over him and trying to figure out how to get him back. Now, by 2002, Nelson and Annalisa are getting more and more serious, you yeah. know, and Sheila is not happy about it. And so she was obsessed with it and she needed somebody to vent to, you yeah. know. Um, she needed to talk to somebody about like the situation that was going on. So what she did is she vented to Paul, her husband. But what she did is she made up a fake story about a fake Jack and Melissa when who Jack and Melissa were she was really talking about her and Nelson and then but for some reason she left Annalise's name the 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 same. same so she would talk about Jack and Melissa and this other co-worker named Annalisa and she would ask Paul for like advice and stuff and he was like you know, why are you so invested in these people's lives well actually he loved it he just was so happy that she wanted to talk to, to talk him. to him and that they had like they were speaking again had common ground and they both like found something to talk and he they thought it was just gossipy he actually this is funny is that paul used to apparently when he was in college he really wanted to be a spy and hey man me too don't we all? always <laughs> i always wanted to be a spy so he used to have spy gear and he oh, gave it to sheila to stalk nelson and annalisa with so oh but my he, God. Th- he thinks that it's this fake couple yeah so she so he's like dude tell me what happens like go record their <laughs> conversation this is great so she would do that she would stalk them and one night she was almost caught in March 2002, she was spying on them, and then all of a sudden, there was like a big light shining on her, and she got spooked, and she panicked, and she like left thing and went to work the next day, thinking like, "Oh fuck, they totally saw me." Yeah. This is it. But apparently, everybody was acting normal, and like nothing happened, so she got away with her stalking. And so Sheila and Nelson were still friends this whole time. Like, they right? Because she's like so time. cool, so cool. Yeah, so cool. <laughs> And so they would talk all the time and they'd even hang out and go to concerts. He would walk our dog. And so then on the afternoon of November 8th, 2002, police receive an emergency call from a person saying um, that she thinks a guy is attacking her neighbor. 
And so the police rush over and they find the female victim laying in the foyer of the apartment. She had been stabbed repeatedly. They needed to identify this victim. So they got neighbors to come over and, you know, identify her. And they confirmed that that was 32-year-old Annalisa Raimunda. Oh. I know. Poor Annalisa. I know. Ugh. And so... I mean, I was really hoping... I wasn't hoping it was Sheila, but... I was just hoping it wasn't Annalisa. I know. She's just innocent in yeah. this, all of this. And so now they have to try and figure out why was she killed. You yeah. Know? So it didn't look like a burglary. There was no signs of forced entry. And they figured that she had to have known this person because she let them in. Right. And there, was no, there weren't any defense wounds. You oh, know? okay. And so, yeah. Then Nelson arrives home, obviously very distraught. And he said that he stayed there the night before and that he left for work in the morning. So now the police think that he's possibly the last person to see her alive. Right. But there was no physical evidence that he had done this. And they asked the police asked him if there was anyone else that they could he could think of that might have wanted to harm her. And he actually mentions a bunch of jealous ex girlfriends. Oh, Nelson but he doesn't name Sheila Davalu. So interesting just, because she's interesting. so cool. Interesting, yeah. So police are still keeping an eye on Nelson while they continue their investigation. And then in the winter of 2003, less than six months after Annalise's murder. Nelson and Lisa start hooking up again. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. So... She's comforting him in his time of need. Yeah. <sighs> so Sheila. Sheila tries to do that thing again where she says her brother is coming to town and uh-huh. that Paul needs to leave. But this time Paul's like, no, like, I'm not leaving. This, yeah. Like, I, this is my home. I'm not leaving. And so he starts to give her a hard time about things and he's not as cool as he was before. And so things are starting and she's like, well, fuck, because now I can't do everything I want. Right. And you're in my way. Things start to get tense between Paul and Sheila. Yeah. So one night, Sheila decides to approach Paul about maybe doing a little sexy stuff. Some sexy stuff. So she tells him that she heard about this game at work where one person blindfolds the other person and then the, that person puts objects on the person's body and then they have to try and guess what it is. Okay. Yeah. Do you guys play this game? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, you don't have my answer. question. <laughs> no. I've never played this. Okay. So, uh, so he very badly like wants to rekindle their relationship. You yeah. Know? So he's like, yeah, let's do it. You know, this is great. And so he's thinking, this is awesome. We're mm-hmm. finally like you know, hooking up again. So she handcuffs him to a chair as he lies on the floor and then she blindfolds him. So she didn't even like let him be on the bed? No, he was like on the floor on a chair. Okay. Well, the chair was behind him. He was on the floor and he had, she had a, uh, she blindfolded him. So the first item that she uses is candle wax and he can immediately tell what it is. And then she tries another object and he feels this like stinging in his chest and then a hard pushing feeling. And he makes her remove the blindfold and he sees that he's bleeding. <gasps> and he has no idea what's going on. And he's begging her to call the police. And she keeps saying she's going to. But she keeps she keeps leaving the room saying, I'm calling them, but nobody's answering. And I'm calling them, but nobody's coming. For more than 30 minutes, what? she was trying to get 
the, the an ambulance to come and so he starts to get really woozy and he begs her to take him to the hospital she ends up driving him to the hospital and then she takes him out of the car and she stabs him one more time he has no idea what's going on and then she just takes off what and but what she didn't expect was that paul actually survived like she right. thought she was abandoning him in the middle of the die hospital parking lot but they had actually found him and he was barely conscious and they were able to stabilize him and then he told them everything he told yeah. them like i was playing this game and uh, like and she i guess she stabbed me and then she stabbed me again in the parking lot and but when they brought sheila in for questioning they don't tell her that Paul is alive. Okay. They ask Smart. her what happened and she tells them that, oh, I came home from work and I found him lying there bloody. So I rushed him to the hospital and they're like, boom, you're a liar. Yeah. Because we he's alive and he said, you stabbed him multiple times. So she immediately, you know, was like trying to cover her oh, shit. Oh, just kidding. I forgot. That's a different guy. Yeah. yeah. So she tells the police that she was embarrassed to tell them the truth because it was a sex game. And she said that he leaned into the knife on uh-huh. accident. And when she couldn't get an ambulance to, co- to come, that's when she took him to the hospital. And they were like, bullshit, because we checked the phone records and you didn't place any calls to 911. And not only did she call the police... Who she called? <gasps> Nelson. Nelson. Yes. And they were like, ding, ding, ding. Yeah. So then a police, uh, a I witness- can just see like, you know, one of those things that has the the string connecting from the pictures. Oh, and yeah, all of a sudden yeah, yeah. they were like, oh, this connects here. And that's how the whole thing works together. I know. So and, and also a witness came forward saying that they saw her pull up into the parking lot, struggle with Paul, stab him and then t- take off. So there was another witness that saw this whole thing. So like, yeah. Boom. You're fucking caught. So then... Nelson actually sees all of this in the news the next day and was like, what? Like, she's a murderer and she's married? Right. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> so he, because I know you were probably thinking, just as I was, like, was Nelson involved in this? Yeah. Were you? No. You weren't? No. I was. But oh. I guess he wasn't. So he call, contacts the police and tells them that after he sees this, he's like, fucking Annalisa. Mm-hmm. So he calls them and tells them that he they need to look into if she possibly had anything to do with her murder. So the police go back and they look further into the case. And when they listen to the 911 call that was placed from the neighbor saying Uh that a guy walked in was attacking the neighbor, they realize it was just Sheila disguising her voice. (gasps) Sheila! Sheila! And so she disguised her voice, and but they she wanted the 911 call to come from a woman's voice because in the call she said, I saw a man, a man. go in there. So she wanted to throw off the investigation by making them think that it was a man the whole time. So they did an, an extensive voice analysis and they confirmed that it was her. And then when they went back into the crime scene and they found blood under the sink handle and it turned out to be Sheila Davila's blood. Sheila. Sheila. So now Sheila's charged with the murder of Annalisa Raimundo, but first she's tried for the attempted murder of her husband, Paul, and she was found guilty and sentenced to 25 years. 
And then eight years later, the trial started for the murder of Annalisa. And Sheila, because she thought, you know, I'm a genius and I'm so smart and smart. I know. I knew she represented herself. <laughs> of course she did. And they all said, they're like, yeah, she's really smart, but the skills don't translate. Right. You're not a lawyer. You know, you're a scientist, <laughs> not a lawyer. So yeah. apparently it was just like a shit show of a trial. And after a two and a half week trial, she was found guilty and sentenced to 50 years in jail, which that's not a lie. It's not enough. For a brutal murder. No. On top of the fact that you attempted to murder your husband, like yeah. that's life, dude. And that she like called the police after. And, yeah. I mean, I'm shocked by the I'm sentence. I'm shocked too. But um, so she's in jail to this day and that is the story of Sheila Davalu. That's a crazy story. Isn't it nuts? Boss was right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jen. Hey, Sally. Would you like to hear a love story? I would like to hear a love story. Okay. This one has some ups, some downs, some ins, some outs. Okay. But we're going to Happy Town. Okay. Okay. So this, I got my information from the New York Times Vows section. Vowel um, section? Vows. Vows. Oh, it's like... They have a section for that. <laughs> Just vowels. It's mostly A's and E's, but sometimes, sometimes Y's. A-I-O-U and sometimes Y. Um, this is by a writer, Tammy Lagorse. Okay. Okay, so Peter Tracy met Linda Wilk at a toga party in 1975. I'm imagining it's like very Animal House. Yeah. Um, they were both in college at Ohio Wesleyan in Delaware, Ohio. And when they met, they were like attracted to each other, but they were also just like intrigued by each other's backgrounds because they came from very different families. Linda was Jewish and she grew up in Wilmington, Delaware, which is like really close to where Ben grew up. Uh-huh. Uh, and she grew up in a big home with three brothers. Her dad was a surgeon and her mom was a stay at home mom. And she kind of grew up in this like boisterous household. And Peter came from this like straight up waspy, which is what he called it, New England background. He grew up as an only child in Connecticut. He was sent to boarding school in Massachusetts and he played lacrosse. He described himself as like a blue blood. And that was a kind of guy that Linda had never met before. And uh-huh. um, and for one, like he wasn't Jewish. And that in itself was kind of a rebellion for her. And Peter was attracted to Linda's warmth and her nurturing instincts. And those were just like kind of qualities that he didn't grow up with. You know, he grew up in kind of a not cold, but like a very straightforward right. New England household. Right. So they both said that their match was kind of built on a mutual desire for reinvention. They both wanted to kind of get away from their families and what they were, what was expected of them. Yeah, like when you grow up in a blue blood type family, you crave that like warmth and cuddles and yeah. compassion. You know what I mean? And she probably was like, oh, he's quiet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Oh, how nice. <laughs> So they got married. They ended up getting married three years later, and it was just a month before Linda turned 21. And then after graduation, they moved to Maryland, where Peter started managing construction company, and Linda went to work as an executive assistant at Johns Hopkins. And then in 1981, their first son, Josh, was born, and then six years later, their son, Joel. And both of the boys were athletic, and they followed their father in playing lacrosse. Like, they played a lot of different sports, but lacrosse was where they settled. That was their number one. And so they soon they became a full-on sports family. Like, they were going to games and going to tournaments they and going to practices. stickers on their... They had their minivan. Yeah, they had stickers on their like minivan. Four stick figures and a lacrosse stick. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then a mom just like, "Hey, <laughs> yeah. I just drive the van." Um, so I, I mean, love that was like my lacrosse boys. <laughs> 
Uh, 1,000%. That's what I'm imagining. <laughs> they spent every weekend and holiday were all spent on the road for lacrosse tournaments. Uh-huh. But they loved it. They loved, Linda loved taking care of her boys and Peter was so proud that they were playing sports and and their dedication paid off. Both boys actually ended up going to college to play Division One lacrosse. So Josh went to Ohio State and Joel went to Brown and... Did you have lacrosse at your school? It's- in uh, New York, yes. Okay. Lacrosse was huge. But then in this in the South, it was there was no lacrosse. Yeah, where I I grew up yeah. in Ohio and there was no lacrosse. So oh, okay. it's like to me it's such a bougie sport, but I do know that it's everywhere and Oh, it didn't seem bougie at all. No, I don't think it actually is, but I think like because the only people that played lacrosse where I grew up were super rich private schools. Like I went to private school, but it was like there was no lacrosse. Like it was, um, so to me, that's what it sounds like, but I know it actually, people I know who grew up in New England are just like, no, it's just a... Like everyone. Yeah, everybody played it. It's just like, it's like Like soccer. Like there's no hockey here, but... No. Yeah. So both the boys went to college the last one, Joshua going and leaving in 2005, the couples started noticing a difference in their relationship. So I think like a lot of couples, they were empty nesters and they realized they're not on the same page. Uh-huh. So Linda says, from my perspective, it was supposed to be like, now it's our time to have fun. It's time to rediscover each other. But Peter thought, oh, now I don't have to take anybody to practice and go to games. I'm going to play more lacrosse myself. So he basically was uh. like, I'm doing my own thing. And she was like, let's be together. And so in 2009, a friend of theirs died suddenly of a heart attack. Uh-huh. And at the funeral, actually, Linda started pressing Peter into getting his own heart check and heart checked and then when he finally did doctors told him that he had coronary artery disease and he would need a quadruple bypass oh my god and actually i mean not that not that oh a good thing their friend died but like it's a it was asymptomatic so he would have never known until he like all of a sudden had a heart attack so but he just like couldn't believe it like he was 57 and he'd always been an athlete like yeah. yeah he still played lacrosse and he says like it was the first time in my life that it occurred to me that my body could let me down. And he actually asked the doctor, he did, wasn't, he just like couldn't take it seriously. He asked the doctor, oh, can I put the surgery off for like six weeks? I want to play in this lacrosse tournament. And the doctors were like, no, no. you need yeah. it now. And so he just, like that moment, he felt super helpless and super scared. And instead of turning to Linda and turning to people he loved, it made him feel like he didn't want to be dependent on anyone because it made him feel very helpless. And so he started to withdraw. It was kind of like those instincts from growing up came back around and it like doubled down. And so Linda, you know, from, she was like a nurturer and it was her instinct was to take care of Peter, but to Peter, it felt like she was smothering him. And so Linda, and Linda was hurt because she said, yeah, "Yeah," she was like, it felt like he just wanted me to get the hell away from him. And her friend Donna said, Linda was devastated, but for the longest time she was trying to work with him on some of these issues. And she was optimistic until it was clear that optimism wasn't going to win. And so a year after his surgery, and which was like a year in which Peter continued to withdraw and Linda just clung tighter and tighter to their marriage, Peter moved out. And he said, like, at first he thought it was going to be temporary, but it turned out it wasn't. So they, both of their sons were, like, completely shocked. Neither of them took it very well. As you can imagine, like Joel said, you grow up and you get to a certain point and you kind of figure, like, well, if something was going to happen between my parents, like, if they were going to divorce, it would have happened by now. Yeah. He said it blindsided all four of us. And so 
the next three years, the two were separated. And then in 2015, which was 37 years after they got married, their divorce was official. Oh, wow. The time during their separation was awful time for Linda. She lost her mother to lung cancer and her father to complications from Alzheimer's. And she says that she felt like with all of this happening, that it was like the universe telling her, you need to heal yourself and you need to learn to be alone. Figure this out yourself. So she started going to therapy and she was really leaning on her friends. She started online dating. Um, she says she met, a, I met a, nun, a number of interesting people as well as some truly not interesting people. And she said she always believed that she would have another great love in her life. And Peter, who had moved only about 10 minutes away from his old house, he kept his distance from both Linda and kind of from the boys too. Like yeah. he was just like, like it was the best thing to do for all of them was to kind of keep my distance from them because he was the one who had left. He kind of focused on his construction company and tried to figure out himself to give himself some time. So he tried dating, but he was actually having a really hard time getting over Linda. Mm-hmm. So he said, even though he initiated the divorce, that Linda was always on my mind. And that actually became apparent to Donna, who was Linda's friend, when she ran into Peter at the supermarket a few years after the divorce. She said, I hadn't seen him in years, and I had pictured all these things I would say to him if I ever saw him. I wanted to be prickly because that's what you do when you you have a best girlfriend. You're on her side. But then she saw Peter that day, and she said it wasn't the same Peter. He wasn't the same guy as the person who left Linda. He started talking about Linda, and he was telling Donna how much he appreciated her support of Linda, and he was really sentimental. And she was like, oh, he's he's changed. He's very sweet. And so Linda and Peter weren't friends necessarily after the divorce, but they had always had an amicable relationship. But in 2017, both of their sons ended up getting engaged within a few months of each other. And Peter and Linda decided that they wanted to make things as easy as possible for their kids. So Linda decided she wanted to take the family of her like future daughter-in-laws out to dinner. And she mm-hmm. invited Peter along because she's like, like, let's just show our sons that we can do this together for them. That's like, really we, nice. Yeah, we yeah. can play nicely. Yes, it's so nice. Um, and so... The olive branch that Linda extended ended up being kind of like a bridge between the two of them. In March 2018, Linda and Peter took a train to Manhattan to meet Joel's fiance's parents. And during that three-hour train ride, Peter opened up to Linda. And he told her that he was in love with her, that he always had been, and that he always would be. And because Linda felt like... They, she had had time to heal and to become find herself as an individual, like away from being this lacrosse mom, mom and being and, the wife yeah. and being, you know, just this like part of this family. She was actually receptive to his feelings. And after that train ride, they too started meeting for walks and for breakfast dates. And they didn't tell their boys because uh, they were like, yeah, yeah, they were like, we don't want to, we don't want any expectations. Up. And also, like, they were in the middle of almost getting married. Like, the two of them were like, about to get married, and she was like, we don't want to steal their thunder. So, yeah. By the time it was Joshua's wedding was in June, they couldn't hide it anymore because even though they hadn't told anyone, like Peter was holding her hand at this during the ceremony, Aww. and they were dancing closely at the reception. And a couple of Linda's girlfriends pulled her aside and were like, do you want to? Do you want to tell me something? Like, what's going on with you and Peter? And their sons, they saw it too. Joshua said that, like, everyone was coming up to me at the wedding, being like, what's going on with your parents? And he says, I was on cloud nine to begin with. This was, like, the cherry on top. Aww. So in May 2019, they bought a house together. 
And then in September, on a three-week trip to Italy, Peter proposed for the second time, this time in Venice, and she said, fuck no. Just kidding. She's oh, like, yes. I was like, that's kind of cool, actually, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, no, I'm my own person. Like, I know, I kind of was like, damn, man, this kind of would be the better story, but um, no. It's, no, but it's nice. She said yes. She said yes. Okay. And on December 28th, Peter and Linda were married in front of 30 family members and close Aww, friends. Nice and they actually would have done it sooner, but Joel and his wife Alyssa had their first grandson, Aww. Charlie, in October, and they wanted to make sure that he could be at the wedding. So Joel was part of the ceremony and Josh officiated and Peter entered to a piano rendition of Willie Nelson's You Were Always On My Mind. She was so sweet. Linda walked down the aisle carrying a bouquet of lilies to At Last, which was also at my wedding. So Joshua said, our parents have shown us that when two halves come together to form a whole, the results can be quite wonderful for quite some time. But sometimes those halves drift apart and only when they heal and grow can they become whole for themselves again. Two halves don't make a whole. Two holes make a whole. And Aww. then through tears, he added, Mom and Dad, it's a privilege and honor to bear witness to this union today. And so the two read vows that they had written for each other. And Peter was crying as he talked about the first time seeing Linda. And he said, I realize now that the perfect match has always been there. And Linda said, remember, it's never too late to live happily ever after. Aw, I'm like PMSing or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys, I got her. Oh, I've got to be PMSing. It is a nice story. <laughs> Jen's crying. <laughs> Tear. <Yeah>, nailed it. <laughs> She's full on. Good She's bawling. Story, she can't talk. Bro. <laughs> Thanks, bro. Thanks, dude. Jerk off motion. Jerk, jerk off motion. <laughs> Are you ready for something dumb? Something we love? Yes. Okay. So something dumb. This is crazy. This happened. I found it happened yesterday. I found out about this morning. Oh my god! But my girlfriend, I don't want to. I don't know if I should say her name to protect her because I don't think her name is in the news. Yeah, but she did post about it on Facebook. She knows who she is. She, yes, she listens to this podcast. Um, hey, anonymous. I hey, love mystery you. girl. I'm so glad you're okay. But she was driving to school yesterday mm-hmm. to pick up her son at an elementary school. It was in the middle of the afternoon and she was on her way to go get him when she saw teenagers breaking into all of these cars. Yeah. So she turned the car around, kind of, I think she yelled something at them and was like, trying to like scare them away. away. And she's like, I mean, she's amazing. She's like, she's super petite, like tiny thing, but she's also, she's so funny and she's so like strong and bold and she's an amazing artist. She's just an amazing person. But I I, I can't believe she had like the balls to say something. Right. But so one of the teenagers then took out a gun and (gasps) shot into her car. (sighs) The bullet went through her car, hit her in the leg. She took off. Yeah. And then went to, um, I believe, a neighbor's house uh, or a, a, a person's house. And they like came and called the police for her. And then she went to the hospital. Luckily, her leg is okay. The bullet wasn't in her leg. The bullet is actually lodged inside of her like dash or steering wheel, I oh, think. Oh, my God. But she's okay. I told you she's an artist. Yeah. She's an amazing artist. Oh, my gosh. But she got herself, to, she bandaged her up and like she went to her art show last night. Oh, really? Yeah. 
And she was like, and I had a good rest of the day. But it's scary as fuck. Yeah. But the lesson here is, I'm so glad she's okay. I'm mm-hmm. so glad she's okay. It sucks that it, this happened. Yeah. It's awful. The lesson is the police told her over and over again. And I remember when I went to a crime watch meeting a long time ago in a different neighborhood I lived in that was like very up and coming. (laughs) They said, do not fuck with the teenagers. Yeah. Don't fuck with the teenagers. They're crazy. And they just don't have any concept of consequences at that age. They don't. Yeah. And it's just that like group think. And like, if there's a bunch of them, it's like, they're all just walk away. Something to each other. So my the lesson here is don't approach teenagers. Yeah. Stay away. You know, don't try to be the hero. Yeah, Just call like the cops. A, a broken <laughs> car sucks, but those people will get over it. Right. You know what I mean? She almost lost her life yesterday. Yeah. Thank God she's okay. Thank God her kids were not in the car. Yeah, I'm and so This happened in so front of the school. She's... The school is on lockdown. It's crazy. That's so crazy. So that is something dumb. Um, and then uh, I guess something I love well a obviously that she's okay but then also there's this like really great new podcast (laughs) that sounds terrible you can change gears there's this really great new podcast it's called Chasing Cosby okay and it's a it's produced and hosted by the woman that originally started taking him down I guess yeah the investigative journalist oh yeah who wrote that initial article that got nobody nobody even paid attention to so it's hosted by her and it's pretty amazing i think that there's like three episodes right now but it's shocking i like but it's so well done and it's so interesting it's infuriating to listen to yeah um, i highly recommend it it's called chasing cosby okay so my something dumbs and loves are all over the place oh my god (laughs) how am i supposed to follow that i don't know (laughs) okay so my something dumb is is that yesterday i went on a walk um that's not the dumb thing that was very nice (laughs) it was very nice nice to go on a walk but i was like i've been thinking i'm like i don't have any hobbies I've like no, I've like I do so much stuff. I mean, yeah, you have so much stuff that you do. I do so much stuff, but none of it is like purely for just joy. for joy. Yeah, that's and, the problem. Like when you're a when you're an artist, like yeah. a, a comedian, all of your hobbies become your work. Yeah, you know. So, so yeah, there's nothing that I'm like, you know, I'm like I like writing, I like stand up, I like all these things, but now they've become work. And that's great, and I enjoy them, but also them, like, there's nothing that's, like, pure joy. So so when I went on my walk yesterday, I was like, I want to start doing fun stuff. Yeah. That is, like, what do you think? So that is, like, I want you guys to, like, hold me to it. I want to try to do something new and different and fun. The Sally Fun Challenge. I'm the Sally Fun Challenge. I want to do, I don't know, like, go dancing. Like, I'm a horrible you know, dancer, but I love to dance. I love dancing, too. Do you? Let's go dancing. I, I want to go dancing in a place that you can start dancing at 8 p.m. I want to go dancing in a place where you, you can, can start dancing at 8 p.m. by 10. Yes. And where I don't feel like I'm just some, like, old mom. I just want to go somewhere where it's, hey, oh, my God, Dance 101. This is not a paid spot. There's one of one that's like dance classes, but they're so fun. I actually took a um, a musical theater 
dance class. Oh, really? It was the shit. We like learned the all the dances to Chicago one week, and like we danced to like cell block tango. Yes, it was amazing. And then we did like Greece another week, and we did. It was so fucking yeah. fun. We should do that. My friend Kimmy and I went in New York to I can't remember what, I, what the place was called, but it was kind of the same thing where it's like you learn the choreography to like a pop song, and this was we did in sync's Bye Bye Bye, oh, that's awesome. and it's like you know no pressure, but we both were like. Oh, we're not very good dancers. <laughs> like when we're in the back, there's all these like young people just like ba ba ba, and we were like, okay, how do I do this? And now we're like, uh, but it was so fun. And so yeah, that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. I'm like, yeah. that's just pure joy. I'm never gonna be a dancer, but I love dancing, and I love, you know, it's just like I love doing stuff and having fun and having new experiences. But it's so hard to do that because I'm like, all my free time is spent doing comedy or yeah. doing whatever, you know. So or with that dumb kid of mine. Um, you know kids man kids they take Take so much time time. (laughs) i'm like oh fine i'll play memory again (laughs) (laughs) but what's for me so anyway so that's i think the thing i love is that i'm gonna really try to do that hell yeah Yeah. we're gonna hold you to it yeah we'll give you fun challenges we'll make an instagram thing out of that gary do you have a problem with that gary gary we're gonna start a um we'll ask a question we'll ask everybody like what are some fun things you can do yeah just for like pure joy do what they tell you to okay it's a science experiment all right as long as you do it with me (laughs) no this is about you (laughs) i'll do it with you i'll do it with you do you like not like fun i i love fun okay i'll do it with you okay i promise as long as there's no, like, eating weird food involved. Oh, no, I don't want to eat weird food. Okay. I like food, but, like, I'm not going to eat crickets for fun. No, but I'd, like, go to, like, a wine tasting I would and learn that. about wine. Yeah. Or, like, yeah, that's, those are my two go things. go to a tamale making class. I would learn to make tamales I would you. love to learn to make tamales. Let's put that on our list. All right. <laughs> I feel like now we're just making plans. Okay. 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 So thanks, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, and if you found us through Gary Gennetti, tell them that we're cool, man. Tell them we just want to be friends. We just want to be friends. We just do. And yeah, follow us on all the things, rate and review, and all that good stuff. Now get out there and go do something dumb for love. Dum da dum 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 da dum da dum da dum dum da dum 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 da dum dum.